three, two, two, one. Welcome to Beyond Flag, a Beyond the Pines production, created by, with, and for the people of Flagstaff, building connection in the town we love. We are your hosts, Dr. Daniel J. Phillips, and Cody Bayless, also known as Dr. Chinchilla Nice Nice. Thanks for tuning in as we go Beyond Flag, straight from the dunny of our observatory. Dan. Cody. We made it, man. <laughs> we made, we made, made it. it. Look at you sitting in that chair. Mama, I made it. I'm on a couch over here. Yeah. We got a potty going. The podcast. Long time coming. Long time coming. Massive business loans to finance this whole endeavor. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not mislead the people right from the start. Yeah, you're right. Speaking of start, we should probably introduce ourselves a little bit, huh? Let's do that. You're you're the one that would know what was socially appropriate. So I, I do think it would be socially appropriate to introduce ourselves. Thanks for cueing me in on that. For sure. We'll we'll help you along. So I have the pleasure of introducing Dr. Daniel J. Phillips, a flag transplant from Arizona's northerly sibling, Utah. A local psychologist with an orientation toward pure white cane sugar and ideas. An yeah. advocate love that white you love that white man lines of that white mounds of the white yeah (laughs) an advocate for getting outside and into the world while defending personal time space and knowledge (laughs) he's an observer an investigator the oracle (laughs) he holds several other nicknames fast dan Iceman dan old man dan and expert dan which might give you a little cue into his enneagram number Ooh, tease and that's something we plan to talk a little bit about later Well, I get the pleasure of introducing Dr. Cody J. Bayless. Yeah. <laughs> so Dr. Bayless, he's flag born and raised, a local psychologist with a pension for crushing breakfast burritos and writing family Christmas letters that nobody understands. He's a loyal skeptic with an orientation toward human connection. He's a dreamer, a questioner, the alchemist. Cody also possesses nicknames, similar to me. Uh, His nicknames mostly involve the word nice, though. There's Cody Be Nice, uh, or after he completed his PhD, there's Dr. Chinchilla Nice Nice. Also, there's Junior Tech Nice Nice. (laughs) Junior Tech Nice Nice, unreal. These nicknames really give you no insight (laughs) into his Enneagram. What about just nice? Yeah. That's got to be something with my number now. Dr. Be Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that relates. That whole connection vibe. That whole connection vibe. A couple other commonalities that Dan and I share. We went to uh, a really well-known school. I believe it's a top 200 research school in America. (laughs) Northern Arizona University. A.K.A. Harvard of the West, my people. (laughs) We done did it. (laughs) And uh, we're both practicing psychologists at Flagstaff Counseling Center. Yeah. So so we get to spend time together and we have previously spent time together. Yeah. Lucky us. <laughs> lucky, lucky, us. lucky Cody. Lucky Cody. Yeah. What, a, what a blessing. Let's go over a little bit about what people can expect from this show for today. Yeah. 
well, you know, we knocked out the socially appropriate thing. So I feel good about that. And now we're settled, you know, introductions, introductions. Yeah. <laughs> so at least people know our names. Uh, so first, you know, we mentioned earlier that we're going to go over the Enneagram a little bit. We plan to introduce uh, the nine different types and then also give you a little bit of an insight into our particular numbers, which might help you get to know Dan and I a little bit. Yeah. Mostly the things that, you know, annoy others about us that yeah. people don't like. Yeah. People critique or criticize. Yeah. Also, kind of yeah, I, th- I think it's against the law to have a podcast and not have one podcast about the Enneagram. Yes. Um, in the contemporary era. So, yeah, I think that got pushed up to the Senate. Is yeah. that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Going through a vote. <laughs> so we have to knock it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So after we introduce ourselves through the Enneagram, then um, we're going to go beyond flag with ourselves. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, each other, interview one another, Mm. the way that we hope to get to know more people in this community through our podcast. Yeah. And then we'll shut it down by uh, talking with everyone about what is Beyond the Pines and then what to expect from this show, Beyond Flag, going forward. So we'll make that clear for you later if it's a little nebulous and uncertain right now. Yeah. But first, the Enneagram. So... Expert Dan, can you give us a nice intro to the Enneagram and what it is? Yeah. The Enneagram? The Enneagram. Yeah. So uh, for me, I think it's something that's really gained in popularity recently, and it's relatively young here in the United States. I believe just uh, over recent decades, um, maybe 40, 40 or 50 years, uh, has really come to be and become popular in the United States. But what it is, is it's a personality paradigm that envisions nine different personality types that have common characteristics amongst each or between each type. And so uh, it's a way to describe people. Uh, For you and I, one resource that we've used uh, is EnneagramInstitute.com, which has good descriptions of each type as well as descriptions for how the different types interact with one another. I love that. And just for people who might have a similar reading comprehension ability to me, uh, I would recommend the Enneagram Made Easy, uh, written by Renee Barron and Elizabeth Wagale. Wagale? Do you speak French? Wait. We? Wagale. Let's roll with that one. Let's okay. go with that. And Elizabeth Wagale. Yeah. 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 Which is a, a, a helpful book. So for us, I think it'd be good. Let's, let's go over the nine different types mm-hmm. and maybe... Um, you and I had talked about maybe also describing how they would respond in a certain situation. So yeah. like a coffee break. Okay. Is that good with you? Yeah, like that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll let me begin just by introducing the different types. And the first one um, often has the title, The Reformer. And sometimes you see a different title, but um, number one would be something like The Reformer. And two characteristics that are really common for them are that they're really rational and really idealistic. Yeah. So what would that look like on a coffee break? So you got a coffee break and the one, the reformer would probably be approaching the boss, the workplace <laughs> yeah, 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 and reporting back saying, I have your report and it's ready and it's early. <laughs> Getting that stuff in early it is done and ready to rock. Yeah. 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 And, and it's the, done perfectly. It's probably like the eighth revision. Yeah. Really refined. Very refined. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it'd be the one. Yeah. So number two, the helper. Um, and common characteristics for the helper would be being r- really caring, like super caring 
and really interpersonally oriented. So directed towards others and wanting to take care of others. Absolutely. The, the way I imagine the two on the coffee break is basically checking in with everybody, yeah. making sure they're okay. And if they need anything, they're going to do that. In this scenario, they might be hanging out with another person, uh, maybe another number that has a tendency to be <laughs> emotional, yeah. that kind of thing. And they might be offering support. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Always, always find an opportunity can to support I, others. Yeah. Can I get you a cup of coffee? Do you need anything? Yeah. Yeah. That'd yeah, be the yeah. two. Very caring. The listening ear. The yeah. listening ear. And number three, uh, these people, that, that would be the achiever. Whew. Yeah. So these people, they're the success oriented type. Um, they really, yeah, it's in the title. They're achievers. Say no more. These are the people who are dressed super slick, look, looking out for the image. These are the stars of the world. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the three on the coffee break, I imagine, is out by uh, themselves and they're making a phone call setting up some sort of <laughs> maybe like a presentation they need to do or checking in on their nonprofit they run on the side something yeah, like that. yeah 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 they got like three side hustles that are uber successful to their 40 hour a week job exactly yeah 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 uh, number four the individualist so these types they can be a bit sensitive maybe yeah. maybe this is who the two would be consoling Yep. Um, so they're sensitive, they're withdrawn a bit, um, really oriented towards love and being individualistic. Absolutely. And so in that scenario earlier, I imagine the two sort of hanging out with the four, offering support. Maybe something got said at the meeting the four didn't like. Maybe they're thinking <laughs> yeah. very deeply about some existential matter. Yeah, yeah, And the two's yeah, yeah. here to support them and yeah. comfort them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So number five. The five. The five. Yeah, El Cinco. <laughs> The investigator. Uh huh. So these can be the intense cerebral types. Yeah, I spent a lot of time with a five, it seems like. <laughs> and it's funny because in this scenario, it's spot on. Is the five on the coffee break <laughs> is probably in their office at their desk reading a book. Yeah. Yeah. Which to me seems like the best thing to do on a coffee break. Yeah. Yeah. Really recharge. Go sit down and read some Robert Sapolsky. <laughs> yeah. Just just get reconnected with the world. You Dip know? into behave. Yeah. Dip into behave. Yeah. Yeah. That's the five. So number six. Sometimes I can feel like I spend a lot of time with the six. That well, must be nice for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the six. The title here would be the loyalist. Um, these types are really committed and um, they're security oriented. So they're really looking to feel secure in the world. Got to know your, got to know th everything's okay, right? Well, everything mostly is usually okay. Huh. So the six on the coffee break in this scenario might be checking to make sure that the coffee pot wires are plugged <laughs> Nothing's, yeah, yeah. there's not going to be a fire. Yeah. Everything's safe and secure. The, the fire extinguisher is safe on the wall. Yeah. It's meeting the code, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Would this type also be wondering, want to make sure that everything was okay with what was just covered at the meeting? So like they're coming away from the meeting and they want to make sure that, uh, they came across well and everything went well in the meeting. Yeah. I think a six is going to be very oriented in that direction. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Number seven. You asked that like you've had <laughs> personal experience, <laughs> personal experience yeah. with, that. with huh. someone dipping into that. Huh. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So number seven. Ah, the seven. Yeah. Perhaps one of the most entertaining numbers. Love um, the seven. Seven is the enthusiast. Mm -hmm. So these are the busy, 
fun-loving types. So they're they're both busy, yep. but fun-loving. Busy and fun-loving, bouncing off the walls. Fun-loving yeah. criminals over here. Yeah, Sevens are going to be outside, jumping on the trampoline, reading a book, <laughs> eating an apple, while also listening to a podcast and an earbud <laughs> yeah. and having a conversation with a friend. You know, jumping on the trampoline that's <laughs> outside the office. Got five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like a little mini tramp? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I was thinking like a mini tramp. Or maybe they have one that's like a, you know, like a fold-a-bike, but it's like a fold-a-tramp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just bust out of the back pocket. Just exerting all forces. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Number eight, the Ooh, challenger. The yeah. eight. So this can be like the the powerful, dominating type uh, personality. Yeah. So in that scenario I go back to with the one, the eight is the boss. <laughs> and the boss is telling the one, make it snappy. <laughs> yeah. I don't got time. <laughs> Chop, chop. <laughs> Great job on this report. Um, yeah, yeah, you could do better next time. Yeah, you could do better. You could get this to me a little sooner next time. <laughs> yeah. The eight. Yeah. And then number nine, mm, mm. the peacemaker. Back at the desk, yeah. feet up on the desk, maybe enjoying their snack, maybe checking in on Instagram or something. Just just chilling out. Yeah. Everything's easy. Everything's at peace. So these these this type would be like the easygoing kind of uh self-effacing uh yeah. type they're oriented that way yeah absolutely so that that's a brief rundown of the nine numbers maybe how they would act in a coffee break again take all that with a grain of salt but that's yeah. that's for us to have a little fun and introduce how they might react in that type of a situation the enneagram the enneagram but we thought to share a little bit more about ourselves and we probably cued you in a little bit to our numbers uh we want to give you a rundown on our specific numbers so dan I don't, I don't think there's any debate. This has been pushed through the Senate, voted 100 to zero. <laughs> Dan is the five. Well, I mean, I think of all the numbers, five is the most appropriate orientation to the world. Are you, it comes across like you're saying it's better. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> It just makes the most sense, I think, would be the best way to say it. Gotcha. So the five for Dan makes the most sense. Um, so something about the Enneagram we were talking is uh, for each of the numbers, there's a basic fear and a basic desire. Dan was saying earlier that the investigator is the intense cerebral type, and the basic fear of the five is of being useless. Yeah. Yeah. I can see this, like feeling incompetent. Yeah, yeah. That was the word that I was thinking is like the five really doesn't want to feel incompetent. Yeah. Yeah. But the basic desire, if we flip the coin, is to feel capable and to be competent. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wanting to be competent in basically everything, always. <laughs> everything, always. <laughs> Competency, ex- expertness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's the five. Which, unfortunately for me, I found is rarely, if ever, the case. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe that. Well, it's so, true. Who are some famous fives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some examples of, that we've come across in yeah. reading. Um, so Einstein would be a five. He probably was pretty competent later, at least. Early on, he really wasn't. Right. Yeah. So, huh? Maybe his incompetency story. led to competency. So that basic fear was motivating behavior. Yeah. 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 Uh, Jane Goodall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a cool one. And then uh, Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Yeah. The best. Deep thinker. The best. Yeah, deep yeah. thinker. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another one is uh, Gary Larson, the the 
um, what would you say that illustrator and author of far side is Farside. that how you would say it? Yeah. 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 The far side comics. Yeah. Yeah. So, I like, I like being related to that correlated with that. So those are all fives and I can't let this slide. Bobby Fisher. <laughs> Come on. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk so, correlation of Dan personality. Bobby Fisher. <laughs> the chess king. Okay. Okay. So maybe maybe sometimes fives can come across as Bobby Fisher. Maybe maybe that's why you need to cue me into the the social niceties of introduction. Yeah, like here's how it goes: we have to share our name, maybe a little <laughs> bit about ourselves, then we have to stop. And listen. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, good for you. Good for the six. All right, so the six that brings us to yours. That's your number, the number six. Six. The loyal skeptic. The loyal skeptic. Yeah. 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 So the loyalist is the title we used earlier. Um, you and I have talked about this. Loyal skeptic is a good one for you because y- you talk about how you can feel like a split personality at times because oh, totally. you have like confidence in what you're doing and then absolute self doubt and yeah. they coexist. And they exist at the same time. Yeah. Oh, it's bananas. Yeah. Uh, Dan Siegel, the psychiatrist from UCLA, talks about the six being the most paradoxical of the types. Yeah. And it, yeah, I think that sort of encapsulates uh, that experience of, I got this, I know it. What am I doing? <laughs> There's no chance this is going to work. <laughs> Just the vacillation yeah. back and forth. Oh, and, totally. And sometimes I get to see that manifested in real time. Which is probably a real pleasure for you. Oh, it always is. And I notice that you like to draw on that sometimes. Uh, sometimes I may gaslight that a little bit. You, a little bit. <laughs> a little, little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's um, so true. Yeah. So the basic fears, which you're touching on a little bit, um, but it comes back to that connection component. So the basic fear is being without support and guidance. Mm-hmm. So being left to your own devices. Yeah. Um, and then the basic desire is to have security and support to feel sure in that. Yeah, yeah. certainly. Has that been the, the case for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think for the six, well, at least I'll speak personally, is I think I do kind of rest on like a feeling of imposter syndrome. Like wow. going, going through master's program, PhD program, there's always that like, can I do this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if I get like feet, like, you know, if not gaslighting, like you're saying, but if there's an advisor or something who kind of makes me feel like I'm questioning if I can make it through, mm-hmm. it's tough to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's tough for me. It'll take you right there. Yeah. Think of that skepticism. Yeah. yeah. So some famous people that are associated with a six who who you got listed there? Look at this, man. I'm gonna start with the boss, <laughs> all the way from New Jersey, Asbury Park. We got Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> the greatest. We got uh, Malcolm X would be a six. Oof. Jennifer Aniston, the well liked, the warm, the compassionate Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, really oriented towards connection. Very, and uh, possibly my favorite of what we mentioned here is uh, pretty, 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 pretty Larry David. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, good. Pretty, pretty, good. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. Larry David. Big fan. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be a little introduction into the six, um, kind of how we show up in the world. Uh, we thought it would be fun to give a little bit more insight using another scenario. So what it would be like for you and for me personally, before, during, and after a party, dinner party. Yeah. I have to clarify that because of the times. Does this make you a little nervous to like reveal what's going on for you? Does it tap into that skeptic at all? Uh, I feel pretty good. You feel comfortable with it? I feel comfortable with it. Maybe it's because you're sitting over there with a smirk on your face. (laughs) 
Yeah. I feel supported well, somehow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> somehow. Well, when you pick when you pick a scenario that involves a party, I don't feel like I'm gonna come across super great. Maybe it's because it makes me feel competent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, let's dip into a bit. So you say before, yeah. during, and after a dinner party. Yeah. Maybe we can jump in, take it piece by piece. So let's talk about a six, mm-hmm. the loyal skeptic before a dinner party. Yeah. So remember, this is the security oriented type, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, this is true basically in all scenarios, me just leaving the house as I'm rushing through the house, mm-hmm. usually running late, mm-hmm. like or I'm going to be cutting it close. <laughs> so I'm like sprinting through the house. I'm making sure all the lights are off. I'm making sure the doors are locked, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you're usually late. Huh? Yeah. Me? Yeah, that makes sense. Are you late because you're running through the house? Mm, checking everything? <laughs> Rarely. No. That probably adds, you know, 30 seconds. So you're checking, checking through everything. Yeah. Making sure your Nest doorbell still works. Making sure the Nest works. Making sure the video cam's on. Recording. Streaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually yeah. don't have video cam, but yeah. Yeah, you would. I, I be would. be checking. If, <laughs> yeah. if I did, I'd be worried that someone's going to hack it. Yeah. In, in crazy Flagstaff. In crazy Flagstaff. Yeah. Yeah. So five before a party? The five. Uh, you want to know what happens with the five before a party? I think I have a good idea. <laughs> I would love to hear your description, though, and see if this matches up. Yeah. Well, I can tell you one thing. For sure, I'm not late. Okay. So I'm prepa- prepared well in advance. Yeah. And I'm making a decision on when I'm going to be there as well as when I'm going to be leaving there. <laughs> yeah. So I have this strong orientation to time, that protection of time. Yep. And in the lead up, I'm probably doing something like I'm all set to go. Yep. And then I sit down to read a book because I don't want to be there. <laughs> I want to yeah. be there too early. Mm-hmm. And I want to get in that last little respite of personal time. Yes, absolutely. I So in all of these scenarios, it almost doesn't matter the context. I just imagine you with a book. <laughs> yeah. Whether you're before a party, during a party, or after a party, there's some <laughs> book involved. Whether you're taking a shower, you're driving up to Snowball. I just imagine there's a book. It doesn't matter what. Well, Fishing. I, I mean, are you reading. including audiobooks and podcasts? Because you might be pretty close. Well, yeah, if it, if it helps build my case, then yes. <laughs> okay. Anything that helps build <laughs> your case. helps build my case. Yeah. yeah, a book at a party. Yeah. yeah, I really do. Like I imagine you before a party. I bet like your slacks are all pressed. They're looking fresh. <laughs> slacks. It's four in the afternoon. It's I'm getting ready the, to go to the party at five. Four. What part? Okay, so party starts at five. <laughs> Most people are at work at five. So yeah, you're getting ready. I do imagine you like in your favorite chair, just comfy, happy, happy, happy. Nestled up to your book. Oh, yeah. I am at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So So, I rush through the house. You're on time. (laughs) Yeah. You're on fire, making sure the world's not burning down. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm just casually dipping into my book, Mm -hmm. loving that time. Loving it. You're happy. Yeah. Kind of bummed you got to go to this party. So that notion is is increasing every minute the party <laughs> creeps closer, closer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i have okay. to put down put this down mm-hmm. head out to this party yeah so then at the party at the six can i actually throw out can i throw out what i think you'd be doing yeah yeah okay so so for you a six at the party i think you would probably dip into the party i think you'd be 
loving the opportunity, like opportunities to get to spend time with people, to connect with people. I think that would all be there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you'd want to be making sure things are secure at the same time. So (laughs) in part, I think you'd probably find the area where the resources are. Yeah. So maybe like the kitchen. Always in the kitchen. So yeah, if there's food there. So it would be the kitchen. You'd be in the kitchen. Yeah, I tend to really post up in the kitchen. So you'd post up in the kitchen. And then like if someone came through... And there's like two crackers left. Yeah. And they're they're reaching to grab one of one or two of those last remaining crackers. Yeah. You just slap I'll in their smack hand. Smack the charcuterie <laughs> out their hand. Yeah. yeah. Smack wow. the charcuterie out of their hand <laughs> and say, Can you see? There's yeah. limited resources. We need to be secure. Yeah. Let's leave that there. Oh, you're spot on. I don't know if I monitor the food that closely or (laughs) maybe at least with that level of intensity, but I definitely am next to the food and I usually just stay there. Maybe it is something about like monitoring the resources. Yeah. But I do find, and I think you nailed this as like, everyone's going by the food and the drinks, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a really easy way for me to just post up and kind of see everybody. Ah. Say hi. Yeah. Like people come and go and I just kind of stay. Yeah. 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 And then, and then you get the opportunity, you get just opportunities to connect all night long. Connect all night long over that charcuterie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't take the last one as well. Smack it out your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Do, do you get nervous when the resources start getting low? Dude, I get weird at our house when we get low on groceries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I started thinking like, whoa, wait, when are we going to go to the grocery store? I mean, it's down the street. <laughs> you know, like This is all doable stuff. But yeah, I get kind of weird about that. Groceries in particular, yeah. Food, you need that. Yeah, got to got to keep it stocked up. Yeah, man. So at least someone's paying attention. What about the five? I'll take a guess as to what the five's <laughs> doing at the party. You mentioned a particular orientation towards toward time, space, knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Right? So uh, three valuable things. Very valuable. I imagine you, you hoard and bogard. <laughs> Really, really protect. Okay, okay. That seems a little hyperbolic. (laughs) Always and everything. Uh, So I imagine you, (laughs) I imagine you at the party, kind of like back against the wall somewhere, able to look out like you're in your own personal observatory, (laughs) able to just look at all the interactions, see who's talking to who, how people are responding. And it's not that you're doing this alone. I also think that you're going to be in conversation with with people and you're going to be drawn to talking to people that either you're (laughs) either are or were close to that you feel comfortable with or like know that you have a good connection with. Or you're going to be particularly drawn to someone who has something to share that you're interested in. Oh, man. Like nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. So I do. I do like spending time with people but yeah there's there's a little bit of a guilty orientation towards like i either want to spend time with people that i have an established deep connection with or like people that i like respect admire feel like i'm gonna get something from um yeah yeah so and and most people have one of those two things uh like either (laughs) i have an established connection with them or there's always something interesting to learn about people certainly but i'm a little stingy and stringent with that you tend to lean toward the i 
of uh, capital I and introvert. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> zero, uh, so, zero extroversion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The crazy thing, too, though, is uh, I think in that moment, in part, I'm like posted up with my back to the wall looking out to the party. Yeah. Because, like, it's not just my interaction I'm paying attention to. Like, yeah. I can't, like, turn off the switch to, like, pay attention to, like, every dynamic in the room. Like, yeah. who's talking to who? And what's going on in that dynamic? I was going to ask if it's like, is it like mind chatter at that point? Like, are you keeping, are you paying attention to all that stuff? What's that like? Well, the crazy thing is, is this is almost like a relatively recent uh, insight. Like, I thought everyone did this. Hmm. Um, So it's not like, yeah, it's not like interfering. I do think it like becomes energy draining if I'm in an environment with a lot of dynamics going on for a long period of time. Yeah. but like I, f- I can focus on the conversation and focus on like, oh, those people are friends or yeah. like things like that going oh, okay. on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One thing I think is important to note, because I do understand that you have an orientation towards humans too. Like mm-hmm. you're not totally. And, and I think I was going to note was that you're not transactional. Like I think mm-hmm. it comes across, you know, we could paint this picture of like you're only going to find the person yeah, who yeah. has something to share. Yeah. I don't experience you like that at all. Like yeah. I think you are very oriented toward people. Yeah. But your your tendency Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And admittedly I am like a bit selective about how much I hmm. invest into that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you're spot on back to the wall, oriented out to the room, yeah. focused on maybe one-on-one interaction, yeah. but paying attention to the entirety of the room. So instead of reading a book, which would be great at a party, yeah, I'm probably like reading the room, reading the room. Yeah. Ah, yeah. The, 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 the here and now book. Yeah. <laughs> book of here and now. The book of here and now. So one thing also I would imagine that's going on in the back of your head is you're kind of doing the countdown, wondering when your alarm's going to go off so that you can leave at an appropriate time. Uh, which may be the segue into talking about after the party, but sure. y- like, no joke. I, I have like this in- internal clock that never stops either. Like yeah. I rarely have to use an alarm to wake up. Mm. I most often wake up before the alarm goes off by five or 10 minutes and then just turn it off and get up. Yeah. Um, same at the party. <laughs> that, that alarm, <laughs> that alarm is ticking. in there. Yeah. yeah. And so that time that I predetermined, I rarely miss. Yeah. And I usually that's the, if I miss it, it's the result of some extraneous variable. <laughs> yeah that's it right there yeah yeah. oh that's exactly how i imagine it so then i'm dipping out at the end of the party at about 6 15 yeah yeah do you have any guesses as to what the five does dipping out and then i'll guess what a six does like when you get back home yeah yeah so i think your alarm goes off you slide right out of that party and you're driving home with a smile on your face i think you walk back in the door happy 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 you sit in your favorite chair and you read go right back to that book yeah depending on how late it is if i get out of the party by 7 30 i go back to the book if the party goes really late like to 8 or 8 30 <laughs> then i might have to slip into my bedtime oh, routine i can't help but shake my head over here the party goes really late till eight it's like when parties start yeah that's like an early party and yeah, that's rate. when nefarious parties start all the yes <laughs> nefarious activity occurs after 8 p.m <laughs> yes Here's the other thing I imagine if that party does go late and it reaches eight, I guess I imagine you go home and then you like pick out your uh, clothes for tomorrow, whatever activity you're going to be doing. You make your lunch, you get everything all set. So it's ready for you. That may or may not be accurate. Yeah. That's pretty accurate. You can either confirm or deny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In fact, I think, uh, I think my wife 
makes fun of me for that exact phenomenon. Yeah, I, she has good reason to. <laughs> yeah. So the five, you're going back to get ready for tomorrow, get everything in order, or yeah. you're reading your book, just yeah. happy to be home, relieved. Well, I can't read the book and be happy until I've laid everything out for the next day. Okay, so it's like, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And is it relief? That's what you feel when you get home? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I yeah. go back to that. Uh, protected time and space. Mm-hmm. So for six, I think about you leaving a party. Um, first of all, I have the idea that you're just like, there, there's no set time in your head when to leave the party. Yeah. And so it's just leaving uh, usually probably at the end of things. So yeah, like, I, I'm frequently the last person at a party. Are you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say my wife and I are often the last people. Yeah. And we'll, we'll usually offer to help clean up and that kind of thing. But yeah, we, we kind of stick it out and to see everyone out and yeah, then we leave. Yeah. <sighs> to like nine, nine <laughs> when like people, a lot of people haven't even showed up. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> so you're one of them nefarious party goers. Oh, I'm a nefarious party goer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you hang out till the party's all over. Mm-hmm. You're making sure the resources are, are, are able Intact. to be sustained yeah. throughout the party. Yeah. So you may be rationing throughout. Mm-hmm. filling drinks, uh, putting drinks in the cooler when needs be, Yeah, uh, checking on all that stuff. When you finally do dip out, uh, yeah. when you leave, I imagine you thinking, ah, was I okay in there? Was everything okay <laughs> in that situation? Did I piss that person off? Yeah. Did that, yeah. Was, I, was I okay with everyone in that party? Did I connect? Okay. Yeah. And then that being um, counterbalanced by thoughts about, oof, is my home okay? <laughs> I got to go back and review that Nest Cam oh, footage. Oh, man, I hope, yeah, I hope no one, no uh, porch pirates came up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's funny you say that. So I do, I do feel like there's some sort of like evaluation of my experience. And if anything happened that's unusual, I'll probably tend to dwell on it a little bit or try to make sense of it. But once I get home, although I love like being out with people and connecting that kind of thing. I mm-hmm. also really enjoy being alone. Like I, when I get home, I feel relieved also. Mm-hmm. I feel like, ah, back at home mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I like that feeling. So you're happy to be home. So there's a sense of relief for you too. There is. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So that's a little bit about the five and the six, uh, before, during, after the party. Again, um, if you want to learn more about your type, we direct you to the Enneagram Institute.com. Yeah. See how that plays out. See if you connect to any of the numbers. Yeah. I was thinking what we could do next is go over what we hope to accomplish in this podcast by getting to know people better. So going beyond flag with ourselves. With ourselves. Yeah. Daniel J. Phillips and Cody. Nice. Bayless. <laughs> nice. Could be nice. Mill name uh, nice. Yahoo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so Dan, earlier, asked you if some, well, introduced you, right? We talked about going to the Harvard of the West, mentioned you're a psychologist here in the state of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your practice and what you do. Ah, uh, yeah. So I work predominantly as a psychologist, um, practicing as a therapist, clinical clinically with others. Um, so I work throughout the week seeing a wide range of clients. I am typically a generalist. I work with, uh, adolescents and adults. I work in individuals and couples. Occasionally I've done family therapy. Mm. Um, so I see quite a range. I most predominantly work with adults in individual therapy. Okay. Um, so throughout a week, so I have that going on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and, and see clients, um, yeah, throughout a week. I also participate on the leadership team as secretary for Northern, the Northern Arizona Psychological Society. Naps. 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 Shout out Naps. Naps. Yeah. So that takes time. Um, and then I really, yeah, I, other than that, that's, that's my professional interest at this Hmm. time. And then I, I have like things I dedicate my personal time to. Yeah. Very good. That all sounds like it would keep you really busy. It does. Um, I don't think any busier than most people. Okay. I, I mean, you know, being plugged into the system as an adult, <laughs> you just got to <laughs> just cogging away. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just a cog in the machine, yeah. you know, and that's, yeah. that's the cog that I am. Yeah, no doubt. So in therapy, you mentioned being a generalist, working with a lot of people. Do you use any particular type of therapy or do you have a theoretical orientation that informs your therapy? Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. And it's really tough to answer, to be honest, because I think it can vacillate so much. And for me, I like living in the realm of ideas so much that I Mm -hmm. see so much overlap. And sometimes I see modalities as just a different set of vernacular with a lot of the same concepts. So true. Um, But I do come back to what's commonly referred to as cognitive behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. um, which in my succinct um, summary of it is I just describe as a look at how thoughts and behaviors influence relationships pursuit of life goals and emotions and working through that um and so i even think even more specifically i do fall into what's referred to as rational emotive behavioral therapy which is a bit of a subset of that um but i have a psychodynamic background and i can fall into looking more at attachment and how that influences psyche contemporaneously for individuals Mm -hmm. and trying to use that framework to inform the types of questions i ask yeah um i also work in a lot of a here now processing which is a bit into interpersonal therapy Mm. yeah so i can meld those and then lastly humanistic um which is really oriented towards following the client client centered type therapy and i those four i can predominantly point to in the interventions i use in session Mm -hmm. um but i think it is just a broad collection of ideas yeah Oh, yeah, certainly. Well, those four theories kind of encapsulate that Mm -hmm. or represent a broad idea. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Um, So earlier I mentioned that you're from our northerly sibling. Yeah. Utah. Utah. Beautiful Utah. Yeah. Is that where you were born? I was. I born and raised in the same house throughout childhood and adolescence. Uh, Where in Utah? So um, it's in Salt Lake City, but it, okay. uh, there's lots of little towns there. Yeah. The same way that I think uh, the Phoenix area has right. yeah. lots of different suburbs. And so where I was from specifically was Taylorsville, Utah. Okay. Yeah, it's on the southwest side of Salt Lake. Southwest side of Salt Lake. Yeah. You were there, born, raised, did everything there. West side. West side. Okay. Yeah. Salt Lake, man. So you grew up in Taylorsville. And mm-hmm. then what did you do after high school? Ah, so for high school, <laughs> didn't go super smoothly for me. Um, I ended up graduating from an alternative high school. Um, mm-hmm. And so graduating from an alternative high school, I didn't have a lot of confidence like going to college. People talk about going to college at that point in life, and that wasn't really something I considered. Um, and my family, we didn't have a family history of going to college. That wasn't like a typical path either. And so, like, uh, I lived in Oregon for two years. I bounced around a bit and then began work 
ultimately in my early 20s, um, I'd kind of made some personal changes in my life and I ended up going and working in like a behavior disorder unit at a middle school. So working with like middle schoolers and working there as an aide helping kids that essentially had been kicked out of class, maybe that were similar to reasons why I'd been kicked out of high school. I was going to ask if you ever got confused for the students there. I actually did. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I did. More so, like I had made a lot of changes in my life at that point. So it wasn't, it was more so because I looked really young. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, occasionally I did. Yeah, you laugh. (laughs) It it happened like more than once. It wasn't just like a one-time thing. I would pay money to be a GoPro in that scenario, just watching you. But essentially the way I thought about myself was, um, and why I took the job is I had no real direction. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. Yeah. And that was the thing that sounded best, like going and working with kids that were maybe having a tough time in school. Hmm. And I felt like I could relate to that. And so, um, yeah, I actually loved it. Like I I kind of fell into it Mm -hmm. and then ended up being like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. Did that inform you going into psychology? ultimately in school uh, yeah it absolutely did um i was nice so naive about college i had no idea sure what college was um but after doing that for a couple of years i realized um yeah working as like a middle school aide wasn't like a sustainable career path <laughs> you oh, know over yeah. the long arc of things sure um so then i had enough association with people that would be like oh no like you college will come easy to you like yeah. trust us huh. they were the teachers i worked with and things like that yeah. and um people around me in fact even in high school i like persistently read it wasn't an issue with like getting the concepts it was more an issue of like fitting into the system yeah um and so uh people would be like oh you're gonna love college the system is less um, rigorous or less stringent and you get to pursue your own ideas, you'll love it. Mm. And so they talked me into it. Um, and yeah, it turned out that that was all true too. I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in three years because yeah, wow. it just like came so fluidly and came right. really easy for me. Yeah. Wow. So you got your bachelor's degree in three years. Where'd you go from there? Uh, yeah. So then it, after finishing my bachelor's degree, so the way that I started college was basically just signing up for classes. I didn't know like degree paths. I didn't know that you need X amount of credits to get your degree and they have to be these core credits or these general credits. Like I had no idea about any of that. And for me, maybe because I'm a five, I also was really suspect of going and meeting with a college advisor. Sure. Like I was like, I can figure this all out on my own. (laughs) So I started out with just taking classes I liked. And those ended up being in the behavioral science. And my true love was like anthropology. Mm. And then about halfway through that, I realized that for any degree in behavioral science that you would need an advanced degree to really find like a sustainable job in it. Okay. Um, And so I debated between anthropology and psychology for a while because my degree was in behavioral science and it had an emphasis. And I decided to just go the route of getting the emphasis in psychology because that was the most um, likely uh, path to getting a job in the future. But I still debated between going to graduate school in anthropology or psychology. Mm. 
So I ended up working um, at a residential facility as a program director using my bachelor's degree for a while and then determined like, yeah, I need to go back and get my graduate degree. Um, Yeah. And at that point in time, just defaulted to what felt most more secure in psychology. So I ended up getting my graduate degree in Salt Lake. This is all the while I'm kind of bouncing around Salt Lake there and there around that area. And so... Yeah, went on, got my graduate degree, it, my master's degree in counseling psychology from Westminster College. From Westminster? Yeah. Y- and you were working in a residential unit? Was that like behavioral health or was that like substance use? So what it was was developmental disorders. Developmental. So it was like a 60-bed facility. Oh, which is director. uncommon. Yeah, as a program director. Super young for that position. Sure. I started out there as a case manager. Yeah. And then the program director prior to me left and I ended up interviewing and pursued that role. Yeah. Um, oh, man. It was like being thrown into the deep end. Oh, I could imagine. Yeah. yeah. Mid, mid-20s, yeah. program director. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 60 beds, that's pretty staggering. Yeah. Yeah. It was. So you, fin- <laughs> so you finished your, your grad degree, counseling psychology from Westminster. Did you come to Flagstaff after that? Yeah. So at that point, then my wife and I, we talked about like um, PhD programs and we kind of selected on places we wanted to live, but also because I'd taken a bit of an atypical path to getting my degrees, um, like it limited what options would be there for a PhD. So the combination of those two things led to Harvard of the West. Yes. (laughs) Northern Arizona University has one consideration for the schools that I applied to. Go Lumberjays. Yeah. And so, yeah, we ended up coming to Flag. All right. What year was that? That was 2011. So almost 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So Flagstaff, what was your first impression of coming to town? Um, uh, It was a rough period of life because other stuff was going on, personal life stuff. Um, But coming here, I just remember being amazed at like the size, first of all. So I'd live predominantly in the metropolitan area, like throughout the entirety of my life. And uh, so like cruising around. Yeah, like like I literally thought like we drove from one side of town to the other side of town. Yeah. And I literally thought like we missed where the city center was or like <laughs> <laughs> where Flagstaff was yeah. and that we were on the outskirts, yeah. just like had missed it. So I remember uh, yeah. feeling like it was really small. Yeah. 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 I could imagine. Yeah. So coming from Salt Lake probably took forever to get, I would imagine it'd be a, lot, a big drive to get outdoors or maybe even to go somewhere. Yeah. So that was the other thing. When we first moved here, what we did to try and learn the area is we'd look up stuff that people would talk about. Most of that stuff had to do with outdoors, right? Because that is the predominant thing that you get to do here. And so pretty quickly, I became aware of like how easy it is to get outside. Mm. So the mountain ranges here are smaller. The valleys are are shallower than they are in Salt Lake. But uh, um the ability to do things outside every day was like immediately evident. Mm. Like I was able to run, hike, bike all every single day instead of like one day a week driving to the thing to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So earlier I mentioned that you were fast, Dan, and you just alluded to a lot of activities that take you outdoors. Do you have a particular sport or activity that you prefer? Yeah. 
that's interesting. I was talking to people last week and they asked me, uh, one of my friends was like, well, Dan runs and rides bikes or, or someone had asked like, are you a runner? And he, and the guy's like, yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not a runner. Um, uh, but w- another person was like, well, do you run to bike or do you bike to run? And for me, that was such a weird question. Cause it actually yeah. is just like both. Like, yeah. um, so for me, I kind of balance between things uh-huh. that I really like. And I, for me, that keeps it really fresh. Like, yeah. so I like doing dif- different distance races, like mm-hmm. endurance type racing, like triathlon, or running or biking and that could be road biking or mountain biking. And I kind of just rotate through them Mm -hmm. and find that like really enjoyable. So something I've been doing recently that I just got into, which I think is pretty trendy here in flag is, uh, the skinning up. Yeah. And so now I've been doing that a a few times a week Yeah. and just stuff like that will pop up. And yeah, yeah, I just like doing that stuff. So I like being outside and I like being active and whatever, can fit those two things in. Right. Um, I try to do. Yeah. So it sounds like your interests kind of, they vary from time to time right now. It sounds like you're pretty interested in the uphill stuff. That's yeah, snowball. Yeah. 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 I was going to joke earlier that when you were saying run to bike or bike to run, I was going to say, don't you do both those things to swim? <laughs> no, I do none of those <laughs> things to swim. So I do swim and I'm a horrible swimmer yeah. and horribly slow at it. Yeah. Ironically, out of all those things I listed, I find swimming to be the easiest to be mindful and meditative in. Though. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's because the sensation, it's like a whole different world, right? Mm. Being in the water, it's like a full body sensation yeah. automatically. Yeah. Um, because of the stimulus is so different. Yeah. And so I, I really enjoy swimming. I've come to really enjoy swimming for the sake of being like really mindful and meditative in the practice of it. Yeah. Um, but that, is, yeah, I am not a professional <laughs> swimmer, <laughs> which is an understatement. Yeah. Oh, I, I would, again, just love to watch you flail around in the water <laughs> behind Lake Mary. What's your favorite? Like, <laughs> Is Lake Mary a lake or is it a mud pond? Oh, come on. Come on. You got the Pacific Ocean. You got Lake Mary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those the two next are right. Best thing. Stacked up next, next to each other. Thing. Yeah. And absolutely not. So, Dan, you've been here for, yeah, roughly nine, going on 10 years, it sounds like. Um, working as a psychologist at Flagstaff Counseling Center, yeah. earned your PhD from NAU. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was just real curious, real quickly, what was your dissertation in or what was it on? Um, well, the broad idea comes from like exploring the connection between the mind and the body. So it was on the correlation between physical activity and mental health, which there is like undeniable, unrefutable evidence for the strong relationship between being physically active and, um, benefits in physical health in terms of mood improvement, um, cognitive functioning improvement. Yeah. Um, just it's, it's profound, Mm -hmm. but I don't think we dress, address that a lot in mental health. I think we dip out of like addressing things like physical activity. So it was basically looking at whether addressing physical activity influences the tone of a session for clients or not, which it doesn't. Okay. So, oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting finding, huh? Yeah. So what would you imply from that? What would be the direction? That we need to do a far better job as mental health professionals in talking about physical activity in session. Simply stated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, so I think, I don't know if you have ever observed it this way or you think this way about it, but I think mental health professionals can sometimes fall into 
criticizing like doctors or mm. other professions and saying, well, they don't address mental health enough. Yeah. Like they don't bring that up as a, as one possibility for the somatic symptoms that are being presented. Yeah. Um, or things like that. Yeah. And I actually think the criticism can be reversed to say oh. that I don't think we incorporate um, the body and the yeah. physiology well, and as much as we should. Fundamental pillar of health. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. we had talked about this book the other day, but The Deepest Well by uh, Dr. Nadine Burke Harris. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. she was saying, right, like fundamentally sleep, nutrition, exercise meditation and socialization socialization and the mental health treatment if needed yeah like that to me yeah it seems like um naturally those fundamental pillars of health should make their way into counseling yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fascinating um well before we flip the you know flip the coin yeah i'll be on the hot seat if you were to sum up what Flagstaff means to you in a sentence or two or a few words or something like that what would what kind of what comes to mind um for me, Flagstaff is like two words come to mind, like diverse accessibility. So like, and I'm, I'm mostly referring to like landscape and climate and activity, yeah. like outdoor stuff. Like mm -hmm. you can, you can like 45 minutes drive down to Sedona in winter and be riding a mountain bike on Red Rock. Mm. Um, you know, in places I've heard people both in Southern California and in Salt Lake, they'll talk about like, oh, you could go skiing and ride a bike in the same day. They'll talk yeah. about two different like sports, like a yeah. summer sport and a winter sport and say, you know, there's some months where you can do both of these. I don't think it's true because of the commute that happens between them in, yeah. this, in areas like that. Oh, sure. Here you literally can't like literally yesterday I skinned up. I went for a road bike ride and then was able to go skiing with my kids yeah. Like, so just diverse accessibility. Yeah. Without using a whole ton of time yeah. trying to get to each of those spots. Yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I love it, man. So diverse accessibility. Yeah. That's what flag stuff means to you. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love it. So let's flip the coin. Let's, let's, okay. I, I'm, I was getting really uncomfortable <laughs> sharing so much. With the spotlight on yeah, you? Yeah. Oh, I love it. So let's go beyond flag with Dr. Cody Be Nice. Yeah. What is it? What is life like for you on the day to day? On the day to day, well, I'm married. I have four year old twin daughters. So that, Oof. yeah. So you can imagine that I have basically zero frontal lobe activity at this point. <laughs> I'm just, uh, yeah, just a monkey at this juncture. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, I'm also a psychologist at uh, Flagstaff Counseling Center. I've been there for about two years. Um, and so I do the same thing. I practice a lot of therapy. I do a lot of psychological evaluations, particularly for ADHD. I've done some other mental health evaluations and that kind of thing. Um, and then I'm also an approved clinical supervisor with the state. So I'll, I, there's a few uh, counselors in training who I also do their supervision as they work toward their professional licensure. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So you have a bit of diversity. Yeah. You, know, you have the assessment and the supervision piece that you yeah. incorporate into also seeing people clinically. I do. Yeah. 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 Do you have like a, a favorite <laughs> of those three? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I think I have that diversity or that, um, that range for a reason is it keeps me pretty engaged. And for me to jump from thing to thing is really helpful. I think for me, it'd be really hard to do therapy every hour, every day kind of yeah. thing. So it's nice. So when I come up to a supervision session, I feel excited to have kind of that change of pace. Mm -hmm. 
um, to have a different role. And then mm-hmm. the same thing with evaluation. And typically those take a pretty good chunk of time. So it's nice to come up on an evaluation and sort of switch gears, mm-hmm. use a different approach, mm-hmm. using a different uh, you know type of thinking. Mm-hmm. Oh, I find that really, yeah, mm-hmm. pretty desirable. And when it comes to the clinical side of the coin, seeing yeah. clients, um, yeah, do you have a theoretical orientation that you fall into? Yeah, so I, I practice primarily um, a type of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a mindfulness-based approach to behavior. Mm-hmm. It's um, It revolves around the idea of psychological flexibility and in increasing our ability to be psychologically flexible. And so there are six core processes to that. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll break them down into three. Um, so there's this, you know, we use this saying with act is to open up, be present and do what matters. And so two of the core processes that relate to opening up are acceptance and diffusion Mm -hmm. and acceptance is what we refer to as just simply making room or being open to your inner world, whatever Mm -hmm. is the reality of your emotional experience and then not resisting that and also not bear hugging it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also use what's called diffusion or the ability to step back and watch your thoughts. Mm-hmm. So cognitive strategies to not get wrapped up in our mind basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's open up, be present deals with mindfulness based activities. So mm-hmm. making contact with the present moment. So we do a lot of work and just trying to pay attention to the senses, grounding, how to be here now. Mm -hmm. essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and another core process there is the self is context. And so, um, sort of understanding the observing self versus the thinking self. So the ability to be aware of kind of your own narrative and how Mm -hmm. that shows up in ways. And then to, um, again, be present Mm -hmm. in the moment. Lastly is do what matters. And so we talk about, um, clarifying your values, knowing what's important to you and then developing commitment to act on those values. Mm -hmm is uh, an approach I often take to therapy and I incorporate a lot of interpersonal work into that or um, uh, interpersonal neurobiology from with like Dan Siegel's work. Mm-hmm. I, I look up to his, his stuff a lot. And so I incorporate a lot of what he talks about on attachment stuff and trying to understand people's narratives mm-hmm. into act. And I kind of meld them together a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. I mean, this is, I think the power in this is like, it is a really specific framework, um, which can really help provide clarity, I think for clients, but the, the be open, be present, and then to take action and take action. Yeah. Yeah. It really emphasizes that. And of, of all the ones of those core processes that kind of explain the results, the be open, the acceptance of Mm -hmm. what's going on seems to really have a pretty profound effect on it. Yeah, like reducing stress or dealing with feelings of depression. Yeah. There's such a struggle in resisting one's own reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that just kind of makes things worse. Yeah. So that it is nice to practice from that framework. And it's very experiential. There's a lot of exercises, a lot of metaphors. Some people are very naturally drawn to that. And others, I think, kind of balk at it a little bit. Really? Yeah. It blows my mind sometimes just how we can do the same exercise twice and one person will identify it as being oh, that was a thing in therapy that yeah. really clicked for me. And we'll do another, I'll do that same exercise with another person. Or like, I thought I was going to fire you after that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Not that they'd say that directly, but yeah. 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 Uh, well, really interesting. So um, here you are practicing as a psychologist in Flagstaff, Arizona. You were yeah. born here. Right? I was born here. Yeah. 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 N- know the town like the back of your hand? Like the back of my hand. I made it real far all the <laughs> way from Beaver Street. 
Right now we're sitting on the corner of Kendrick and Dale. <laughs> what, about a mile away. In the in the dunny of the observatory. The dunny of the observatory. Yeah. So what uh yeah. what was it like growing up here in Flag? Gosh, I loved it. Um it was such a f- I really enjoyed my childhood. I live I grew up in a neighborhood that was chocked full of kids, and so I just remember coming home from school. And just hanging out with everyone from the neighborhood and we would just go cause trouble, you know, like mm-hmm. just run around the neighborhood, play sports or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Trample people's flower beds and that kind of stuff. Cla- <laughs> classy, fights. Yeah. classy moves like that. Oh, yeah, truly. That kind of thing. So I really enjoyed it. Um, flag has changed so much over the course of, you know, the last three decades, particularly the last like 10, 15 years, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it has really evolved. And so it's a little bit strange to, to see what it's like now versus then mm-hmm. it was much, um, had even more of a town feel to mm-hmm. it back then, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very, very small, very tight knit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cool. So, uh, you went to high school here mm-hmm. in town and then what did you do after high school? Yeah. So I graduated from, uh, Sanawa high school, mm-hmm. which is now middle school, right? Mm-hmm. Go Mustangs. Um, and then I went to NAU and, I, and so I was a lumberjay for a year and lumberjays go lumberjays yeah i lived in mcconnell hall on the south side of campus <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah people always refer to it as mcompton um so i lived in mcconnell was it new back then oh no it's it, it was old back then <laughs> it's still there yeah yeah oh i know it's still there still there you hear stories about it oh, i could go on stories for days about that joint um so yeah i lived in mcconnell for a year and then I uh, moved to Los Angeles after my freshman year. I enrolled in a small liberal arts school called Biola. It's in South LA County. And then I lived out there for about four, f- roughly four or five years, somewhere in there. Finished my degree and then served spaghetti afterwards. With uh, your with your bachelor's degree? With my bachelor's degree in psychology. <laughs> so if anyone who's considering a path in psychology wants to know where that lands you with a bachelor's. It's you can, spaghetti. Old spaghetti factory in Fullerton, California. <laughs> yeah. So I lived out there for a while and then um, I moved back to Flagstaff in about 06 or 07, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Well, let's go back a bit. So yeah. so did, um, <clears throat> I think the biggest question that comes to mind probably is in the minds of anyone listening to this is, um, does getting a bachelor's degree in psychology help to cook spaghetti? Oh, no. So I was a server. <laughs> And I was terrible. I was an <laughs> awful server. <laughs> Dude, I tip servers well because I, I feel like I just, oh, I, my heart goes out to them. Um, I sucked at serving. Yeah. Simply stated. Yeah. It was hard for me. But yeah, does psychology help me with serving? No. For me, no. No. So in actuality, I wanted to ask you more. So you yeah. took one year at NAU right after? One year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Finishing high school? Yeah. And then you dipped out to SoCal for four to five years. Yeah. Got your degree there. Uh-huh. Uh, was cooking. And then um, how do you go from, if you stuck around after getting your degree down there, Yeah. How, why did you make the decision to move back? Uh, I, w- I would just say that I was wildly unhappy. At the time, like I think I had grown into a place where I wasn't real satisfied with serving spaghetti. Um, didn't really see much of a future for myself in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a huge driving factor was getting out and being in a place that I think it represented what it was like where I grew up. Mm-hmm. So I had looked at maybe moving to Oregon. I had looked at moving to Colorado. And then I looked at Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, um, a job opportunity came up here working with high school students and middle school students. Mm-hmm. And so I took that job and moved back to Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
so you took that job. You yeah. come back here. What happens after you get back here? After here, so I was I worked in that job for about three years. It was exactly three years, I think, um, and that led me to getting back uh, at NAU and working on my master's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a pretty pivotal time in my life. I was single. I was working with high school students and middle schoolers. Um, I worked a lot, but I also had a lot of time to myself. And mm-hmm. so I spent a lot of time reading, spent a lot of time outdoors. Um, yeah. And then just kind of considering earlier, you were talking about like, I wasn't really sure where to go and that kind of thing. I felt that. And then through that job, my favorite part of it was um, basically just having like one-on-one meetings with students and they would talk about what's going on in life, whether parents are getting divorced or being bullied at school or mm-hmm whatever relevant issue and for me that was the most appealing aspect of the job Mm -hmm. and that sort of motivated me to look at going into counseling psychology Mm -hmm. so you you start the master's program while you're working Uh that job and did you hold on to that job throughout your master's program only for a semester okay yeah i dropped down to part-time and i was going to nau full-time i was waitlisted actually and when i got accepted Uh the program so i wasn't sure that i was even going to be in so i had held on to that job with the understanding with my supervisors like hey this might you know if school happens and i'm gonna go this direction if it doesn't then can i keep my job what does that look like yeah um so then i yeah i was waitlisted initially and then got a got an invitation to the program and then made the jump Wow. Yeah. Okay. So then uh, you began to get a little more direction, it sounds like, like mm-hmm. through that job. And yeah. did the did what you were learning in your program, did that match up to what felt good? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so that led me to school. And then, yeah, in school, I then started working as a, as a behavioral health tech at the guidance center. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How was that? Oh, that was good, man. I, I mean, I ended up staying at the guidance center for over nine years Yeah. Um, in a variety of roles. So while I was working on my master's degree, uh, I was doing that full-time and I was working full-time as a BHT and then moved up to a substance abuse counselor after a year, year and a half, I think. Did that for a few years. It was accepted the PhD program. Did that while I was in the PhD program. Did my pre-doc internship at the guidance center. And then after that... Um, moved into more of an administrative role. I was a clinical manager than a clinical director for a little mm-hmm. while. Nice. Yeah. So then uh, you stick around, you yeah. work in those jobs, you complete your PhD, you yeah. earn the title of Dr. Chinchilla Nice Nice. Chinchilla Nice Nice, yeah. yeah. And uh, and then you had mentioned that when you came back, um, you had that time to yourself where you spent a lot of time reading and you said getting outside. What, yeah. what kinds of things do you do to get outside? Yeah, my there's two things. Primarily... Um, running is the way that I get outside and I had always run on streets um, and when I came back I remember kind of just being like this is cool I like running but it wasn't super fulfilling I did it more for just kind of the health aspect of it mm-hmm. and then I ran on trail for the first time and for me it was like life-changing it I, I can't even really explain it mm-hmm. like it just I felt so open to that and just mm-hmm. loved it and mm-hmm. completely changed my relationship to running mm-hmm. so I fell wow. in love with trail trail running yeah yeah and then i as a kid i grew up i was a ski racer so like my folks got me on the mountain when i was like four years old yeah and uh yeah i was on skis at four and i did that till when i was 13 and then made the uh the boisterous switch the rebellious move to go to the snowboard so i've been doing that since 13 
And your parents have never recovered. That is true. <laughs> that is a fact. That's the point at which yeah. they just lost all faith. Yeah. And the source of all my shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you've worked that out in therapy. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, cool. So yeah. you were ripping down the mountain at a young age and then yeah. uh, in your early 20s came back to trail running as the beacon for all that. Yeah, that really is. Yeah. And so now, and now it's expanding. You know, I love just being outside generally. Mm-hmm. Like if I had the option to eat a meal inside or be outside, I'd rather be outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we camp, we, you know, we go out to beautiful Lake Mary with some kayaks or we'll go around other areas. Muddy Lake Mary? Sorry, beautiful, muddy, muddy Lake Mary, <laughs> Lake Muddy. How's that a lake? Oh, come on! Now we're we gonna go down this road, dude. It's tough coming from an area. It's tough coming from an area that has actual lakes with uh, like blue water in it. Blue water? Yeah, yeah. Huh? Water can be blue. Yeah, the way it when it's in like infracts, a massive. Yeah, reflects light. Huh. Yeah, I would say Lake Mary's blue. Well. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you look at it through the right lens, also there's this, a blue tint. There's this crazy phenomenon with lakes, other lakes in other states, is that um, yeah. they don't have to put a line of buoys down the center of <laughs> center of it to guide boats to say if you go outside of this yeah. within any, any matter of feet, you're going to yeah. be sticking your propeller in mud. Yeah. So yeah, caution. Yeah. What a great lake. <laughs> Okay. Well, so you really enjoy getting outside. You do. do it in a variety of ways. Variety of ways. Uh, it's yeah. a real passion of yours. So then how would you, you have such an extensive background with Flagstaff, but it almost is like different phases. So yeah. how would you summarize Flagstaff? Yeah. Like what it means to me? Yeah. One yeah. or two sentences. What does Flagstaff mean to you? Simply stated, it's it's home. Like I have all my memories here. It's where my kids were born. Oh, like Flagstaff to me represents home, home mm-hmm. base. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I would say is that it's the hub. And I think kind of relates to what you're saying. Like I love Flagstaff because everything is so accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, everything immediate right around the town, but then also Southern Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, Southern California, every, yeah, every it's, uh, it's the hub. Yeah. The so home the and the hub. hub. The home and the hub. Yeah. The two H's, double it's H. H squared. H squared. F pole. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's come around to um, now that we've gone beyond flag with Dr. Cody Bayless yeah. and myself. Let's come around to talking about what Beyond the Pines is and how Beyond Flag, hashtag Beyond Flag, the podcast, how that relates to Beyond the Pines is a broader idea. Yeah. So one way I thought about this is would you be willing to give us a rundown of the what, why, and how of Beyond the Pines? Yeah, sure. You know, when I think of what what is Beyond the Pines, and right now as it stands, is it's basically an idea. And so it's an idea of just how to bring people together in Flagstaff around a central message of health. Yeah. is That's how it most jumps into my mind. Um, and so, you know, our intention is to partner with people throughout the city in a variety of roles to kind of promote what, we're doing to promote another's craft or their business, their service, if it connects to our values mm-hmm. and if it relates to those values of self, others, mm-hmm. and the environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That may be important to emphasize for me. Like, um, when we had, when we made efforts to formalize this idea or to put it into words, yeah. um, I think it was you, you came up with this mission statement that yeah. we want to promote connection to self, others, and the environment. Yeah. And so looking to do that through um, partnering with other people. 
So tell us about the why. Why Beyond the Pines? Yeah, so to me, this all comes back to the idea, and I mean, also backed by data, right, that we are hardwired for connection. And so we view connection as being the action of, again, just being fully engaged in our relationship. And so we look at three domains in relationship to ourself, relationship to others, and then relationship to the natural world, our immediate environment. So I believe or we believe when these relationships are invested in intentionally, what we see is growth or what we see is health. Mm-hmm. And then we would, I would equate that growth and health with a sign of life. Yeah. So in its essence, you know, we want um, what we would like to promote health and bring life to the city. Yeah. So then that's such a good idea. But how do we go about doing that? What's the how of oh, Beyond the Pines? The how, no doubt. So the first action we're taking is finding out more about people in Flagstaff who share those values. And again, the aim is building that familiarity and that accessibility. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of takes us, well, one, to a wellness collective. That's our mm-hmm. idea, right, is to bring people into this wellness collective. Mm-hmm. So different businesses or people in different roles, whether that's education, that's art, music, um, environmental sciences, wellness, yeah, is to bring them into that collective so that we can promote those values, self, others, the environment. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that we're doing, you know, I guess in in essence, wellness collective, and then that takes us to the podcast beyond flag. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's a podcast created by the founders of beyond the pines, you and I, and it's the medium through which we seek to create familiarity and connection for people in the community. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, like uh, this podcast is one effort to be a medium for promoting that familiarity. Yeah. Um, so you have Beyond the Pines, the Wellness Collective, yeah. these values. Under that, you have Beyond Flag, mm-hmm. the podcast created by Beyond the Pines, to to essentially start taking action on those values. Yeah. Boom. Blammo. So what to expect <laughs> through the podcast? Oh, you man. Know, what are some jackassery? <laughs> on your end. My end. <laughs> no, on both our ends. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, good times. Yeah. So our hope is to go beyond flag the way we did with ourselves and to actually get the opportunity to sit with and meet people in varying professions and roles here in the city and find out how they connect to themselves, others, and the environment. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I'm stoked because we have people on deck that we get to learn a lot from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What to look forward to. What can people look forward to in terms of Beyond Flag, hashtag Beyond Flag, the podcast? Well, there's going to be some interviews, right? And so I think uh, we got some in the bank, one with maybe a director of counseling services with Mm. NAU. Yeah. Maybe big role. Big role. Less than 40 hours a week. <laughs> uh, we got a uh, international wedding photographer. Oh, that sounds cool. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And we have a sport chi- uh, chiropractic- chiropractor? <laughs> Chiro- practitioner. Oh, man. The sport chiropractitionist. <laughs> yeah. Is that Who- it? <laughs> uh, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So those might be some previews of people to who are coming up and yeah, yeah he, that person may or may not work with elite athletes from around the world. Yeah. 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 Here in Flagstaff blows yeah. my mind. Oh man. A lot blows going on here in flag. No doubt. Looking forward to get, getting to know more about it. Yeah. So why don't you take us out by shouting us out? Shout us out. Well, first off, uh, friends and family, check us out on our website, www.beyondflag.com. Flag spelled F L G. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. FLG. So www.beyondflag.com. Uh, next, you can also hit us up on Instagram. Give us a follow, beyond underscore flag, or follow us on the Twitter at beyond underscore flag. Uh, lastly, I'd like to shout out the homie, Kyle Miller, with uh, Lore Audio Provisions. Shout out Kyle Miller. Shout out Kyle Miller. Thanks for all you do. And so uh, we'll look forward to tuning in again and having our first interview where we go beyond flag with someone. TBD. TBD. One, two, three.